Attention. This podcast will make you happy, make you sad, believe and make you mad, but they're sure to make you feel included. The things they talk about are completely random. It's story time with Matthew Haslam Hammond. So, um, welcome to episode two the, uh, of um, Storytime with Matthew Haslam Hammond, the show where basically you. The general public have a story and you need to tell it. And uh, obviously I'm going to be hosting that and uh, hopefully having a good laugh with you. Um, so thank you very much for what, you know listening to episode one. Uh, without further ado, like I said in the episode first episode, that I am a pro wrestling fan. So I need to give this man a pro wrestling intro. This man, <laughs> he hails from the seven seas. <laughs> He's the captain of your seas. He is... Tugbo! <laughs> Sam Hookins! So Sam, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm alright, mate. I'm alright. Thank you for having me on uh, the Matthew Haslam Hammond story time. It's a great honour to be number two. So uh, <laughs> if I'm number two, does that mean I'm shit? Uh, it means you're the greatest shit I ever had. <laughs> Damn right, and you're the best dump I've ever made. <laughs> Well, and we're off yeah. on that note thanks for this Brooklyn lager yeah cheers. the show's not sponsored by it the show's actually sponsored by the Pastor uh, Assist pod yeah well great pod you know uh, is what you need to listen to if you need your basketball knowledge uh, even though they did call the Clippers winning it originally fools we all knew it was going to be the Lakers you know AD ultimate boy but let's go Lakers <laughs> you a big basketball fan then uh, well I dabble in it. I wouldn't say I'm I'm King B Ball, but I do I do like it. I mean, I've seen Anthony Davis live twice with the Pelicans. I've seen the Pelicans twice. We've we've seen the Pelicans we together. Have, yeah, we did. We're and they beat they Lakers. beat the Almighty Lakers because <laughs> yeah. they kept uh, you know uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, Kobe was on the bench, and yeah. we were all screaming for Kobe to come on. <laughs> we could have won two damn tacos that night, but <laughs> the goddamn Lakers let us down. They certainly did. <laughs> But you're, you're, I think you're in your Hall of Fame of uh, basketball players. I think yours is actually Rudiger, if I can remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, w- when we watched uh, the Pelicans uh, versus the Brooklyn Mets, I think. Brooklyn Mets, yep. It was in New Orleans, and oh, literally, uh, Andy <coughs> Davis, as good as he was that day, um, you couldn't stop Rudy Gay from absolutely destroying them, and we just kept yelling on top of our voice. Someone stop that gay! <laughs> but it went right over the American head. And it wasn't homophobic, it was just a bit of banter. Come on, 2020. Just, well, I, think, I think it's more the fact that actually uh, gay means happy, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. You know, that's, that's, and, and, honest, yeah, exactly. And he wasn't making us very happy because he was destroying the Pelicans at the time. You've got to remember the Flintstones were having a gay all the time way before, you know, everyone was like, you know, cursing out people for, you know, this whole thing, really. Yeah. So I'll, t- I'll tell you what, it is a segue for something different. When I, um, so I grew up living with uh, me nan and granddad. Uh, next to my primary school, we made friends with uh, the caretaker family. Um, they were called like the Gillinums. Um And I weren't allowed to enter their house unless I sung the whole of the Flintstones tune. They used to force me to sing that song all the time. I was only about five or six, but they used to have a wicked wrestling VHS collection, so that's why I used to do it. <laughs> well, like, was uh, the Flintstones like your favourite, like... Um uh, what, Hanna-Barbera cartoon or was it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Flintstones, I was a big Pingu fan when I was really young. I mean, it's, I, I was kind of like, uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I was special, let's just say that as a boy. <laughs> you um, still are. And I, <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't really speak um, properly, but I used to talk to Pingu. Like, Pingu, even though it turns out Pingu's just French sped up, what kind of breaks my heart a little bit. <laughs> Um, but yeah he literally uh, I used to chat to him as a kid yeah so him yeah he was he was kind of my jam him Fireman Sam and Budgie Budgie Little Helicopter so, Tom, Thomas another big key player I used to love Thomas the Tank Engine you know yeah. what weren't to like Ringo Starr Wallop <laughs> exactly it's like every time someone goes who's your favourite member of the Beatles I go Ringo Starr all day long he was the voice of every single damn Thomas the Tank Engine character yeah you know I beat that he was the voice of our childhood and he never tried touching a kid once yeah Legend. Like Paul McCartney, you walk over the road, you know, with no, like, no shoes on. Yeah, you fucking wing cunt. <laughs> Band on the run, fuck off. Give me Thomas the Tank any day. 
<laughs> so obviously you just touched on it yourself by saying you grew up with your nan and granddad. How how was like you know growing up as a child? Did you live in Brentwood? Yeah, I've, funny enough, I've kind of lived somewhat of a. Uh, it's a bit like a gypsy's lifestyle, really. <laughs> I, I moved something like sixteen times, but all in the Brentwood area. Uh, the furthest I went out was like Brentwood Centre sort of way. So that's still technically Brentwood, I think. But mm. um, yeah, there ain't many places in Brentwood. I, I've gone from street to street at points, you know, Woodman Road to South Drive. And, you know, it was it was due to uh, like me mum and dad getting divorced at first. And then eventually we found our kind of hub of just going back to our nan and granddad's place in Southfield. What was like this fuck off mansion in this quaint little village um, and it was next to my primary school so it's a right touch so you literally could roll out of bed especially uh, I didn't like washing anyway a lot of people <laughs> say I still don't like washing but uh, <laughs> literally I could roll out of bed put on the clothes and go straight into school <laughs> and I, I love it it's like you know it's like when it comes to like snowy days at school you can literally just literally you see all them people like struggle getting in and be like ah uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we were bastards as well because obviously our nan was so nice. We would like, you'd know how to play the game. So if you wanted a day off school, you just put your head on the radiator and be like, nan, I'm burning up. And she'd buy it pretty much eight out of ten times. Uh, but I remember once actually, I overslept and the embarrassment of like get, going to school late, uh, obviously because we lived next door to it, there was no reason to. And I was like, shit, I need to go. It's auditions for the drama play. So I actually got my ass out of bed and made it within like I was 10 minutes late but it was worth it because I ended up becoming the Mikado what was a evil Japanese warrior in the Pirates of Panzant so yeah all the pinafore pirates and I starred alongside uh, one Taui starred at his Fermican name drop you know Hi Fern, if you're ever listening to this, I doubt you are, but still. <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard she's number one fan of this podcast. Oh, there you go. Well, you know, when you see her, you know, walking around with a t-shirt on, you know, saying like, I've got a story and have my little face underneath. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think I've completed life. That's well, you know, uh, I, you have completed life anyway. We completed life the moment we met each other. That's a, that is a fair point. How, so I was trying to think about this the other day. How did we actually meet each other? Um... I think it was originally, obviously, mutual friends on Facebook. And then eventually we actually met up. Because <laughs> I think it was down the Essex Arms. Because it, it literally, like, I hadn't known you too long. Yeah. And we were planning on going to America together. Yeah. It was, like, literally within... Well, basically a strangers, yeah. Yeah, like, like <laughs> yeah. Fr- fr- three months. And I remember you saying, like, oh, are you guys going to book WrestleMania again? And I was like, yeah, of course. I, like, you know. He was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. And I was like, mate, I'll send you the link, you know. And... I, you know, didn't kind of realise that you were going to go balls to the wall and do it. And I was like, respect. And then mm. we just kept drinking and planning that holiday. And <laughs> yeah, the rest is history. I've it used been... to be like an every Thursday meet up in the uh, Dairy Man in Brentwood, if I can remember. Like, you know, the, you yeah. know Macca trying to convince us to go to this like computer museum or something. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, he, he used to fucking shout out some right shit <laughs> shouts. Oh, yeah, they've got this. Uh, place i mean don't get me wrong we went to san jose was possibly the most boring place in america not the texas one the california one where it's like the home of pixar and fucking google but yeah you think that sounds cool but it's not because you're not allowed near any of those fucking buildings um everyone's homeless yeah everyone's mm. homeless and uh, every bar shut it's kind of like covid actually their town <laughs> you literally for a nightlife you fucking struggle everywhere shut by 10 uh so we were well prepped <laughs> Before our time, <laughs> thank God for Vince McMahon coming to that town and getting straight out of it. You know, it, it was so stupid though because I remember like being in, in that. It was only the hotel bar that clocked on that it this weird little suburb was going to be invaded by eighty thousand wrestling nerds, and only one bar had like wrestling style drinks, like shots like you could buy the Tombstone and the Power Bomb and the mm. DDT. You know. You think if you had something like that coming to your town, you'd go balls to the wall and go all out for it, but no, they didn't really. Massive cash cow, that, you know? Yeah, massive. Mm. Nearly as big as that burrito I had. <laughs> Tell us the story about that burrito. That was, uh, well, I mean, man versus food. Uh, it was There was two places in San Jose that had man versus food places, and obviously, whenever we go to America... If there's somewhere where 
we can try and eat that they've been to, we will go to. And there was this place called Burrito Zilla. Was in the middle of their campus. It was like it weren't. It was. It wasn't in the high street, was it? it was, no, it was like just in around in this random area. It was just there, like it was like going down. Uh, so you know, imagine like Brentwood High Street, but and then you go down like uh, like Regency Court, for instance. Yeah, yeah, it was like yeah. Literally just down the road like that, and it was just there. It was like just this weird little shack. And they had like these three Mexican stoners in there. Um, and they'd done this six and a half pound burrito. And yeah, I got... Uh, like when I say six and a half pounds, I don't mean it cost you that. It was six and a half pounds in weight. And I got about five and a half pounds in. And I was good. It was like the last six inches. And I'd had, I'd had for my fair share. I'd smashed half of it. Oh, and yeah. I within... Mm. The like 20 minutes and then suddenly it was all that it, it weren't so much the meat in that it was like there was so much like of this cabbage shit that just made your mouth ache and the beans the beans just become tasteless and in the end i remember it was it was all right it was like our second night of being in san jose and i said to you after i finished i was like guys i need to go to bed and then woke up, and that's where the birth of uh, Mr. Brownstone was born. <laughs> what was the most thunderous shit San Jose's ever seen? <laughs> well, my favourite thing about you eating that burrito was how open-minded you were. Because before you even ate any of it, I think actually you had like two spoonfuls of it. Sam, you ever had a burrito before? You nope. No, I've never had one. I thought, fuck it, why not? I was like... Well, go ahead. Well done for being adventurous, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, it was powerful. I mean, uh, and then there was that hot wings challenge as well. We did. oh yeah, that that was fucking pretty brutal. I mean, like we, but we decided. I mean, we did, we done that the day after WrestleMania. So we oh, were, you were that was a beautiful picture of you just hung over outside that place. So. Yeah, I mean, we will put it up on the Facebook. That's um, good. So so you can see it. But I'm in a whole fucking world of trouble. And then I thought it'd be fun to eat twenty of the hottest fucking wings going, <laughs> and just like basically, me me rim never recovered really. <laughs> just the picture of you, just like your hat, West Ham shirt on, your glasses are down. You're like. I can't do life right now. Fuck <laughs> life, what is this? <laughs> uh, all worth it for watching men in trunks. You know. <laughs> and then later that night, we uh, it was Monday Night Raw, wasn't it? We had uh, outside BuzzFeed, the website were there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and they, um, they went, oh, why do you watch wrestling? And made you write on a piece of paper and then take a picture of it. And if you actually Google men in tights make me happy, BuzzFeed, there's a picture of me comes up with that piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty epic. Was was that the uh, was that the mania where I had the no uh, the, the no I had the joint, weren't it? That was the year before that. No, I was all right that raw. I remember the year before that uh, when it was me. Uh, Schofield and me, Macca. Schofield and Macca. We met up with these two American lads we'd met the year before, me and Adam. And they were big stoners, so they rolled this joint. And I essentially just w- was on the verge of greening out where I was so hungover and this bifter was f- so strong. And it was just mental. I remember sitting there during, like, say, before any Raw or SmackDown taping, you get, like, main event or heat or whatever for you old school fans and I remember sitting there just dying and Adam was like you're going to be alright for the next three hours and then by the time the last match ended on this shit pre-show I was like yep I'm ready let's go <laughs> and I got absolutely shit faced and ended up on WWE.com for most mental crowd so yeah that must have been insane like you know the, the raw takeover after was like you know uh in, in life nothing brings you much joy until you actually start a chant yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you you done the Shameless and Cesaro yeah, one. I just want to get my my yeah. my, my, my out. <laughs> do, do, do. Shameless and Cesaro. It was do, just funny because like literally, like as soon as you thought it was going to slow down, you're like, okay, just going to sit down. Next, you know, you just hear it from another section, then another. It just goes all the way around the arena. Like, fuck, I've done this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My stupid mind has come up with this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's like we we started singing the uh, the A team to the B team. Uh, B team are like this proper shit tag team. And so we just started going, da, 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 da. next thing you know, the whole of O2 is just singing the A team. You're like, brilliant. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's, I think, um, like, the joy of going to wrestling is 
for especially for the Americans is because they they're so engrossed by this football hooliganism atmosphere. Like they think soccer is the most amazing thing over there because of the fans are so passionate and whatever. But it's not. It's just British people have more fun than Americans. Oh yeah, nothing wrong with the Yanks. Yeah, it was like you know free beers. We're we're, we're ready to go. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> ready ready to take the piss out of yeah. life. <laughs> So growing up in Brentwood, how how was like you know uh, life for you? Like you know, obviously you have two brothers, you have Ollie and Matt, and then you've got a few step brothers and sisters. I think. Yeah, yeah I've got two two step sisters, but I, I just called me sisters because I've never agreed with the term. All right, it's fell out of a different hole, but <laughs> it's came out the same pipe, in it. Um, <laughs> that's my way of looking at it. But yeah, so I've got uh, Nancy and Flick, um, and then I've got me two older brothers in Matt and Ollie. There was, oh, I want to say, Ollie's 33, uh, I'm 30, and Matt's 31, so yeah, three-year three gap, or four-year mm. gap, technically. Um, but yeah, I mean, you couldn't have asked for two better people to grow up with. Um, you know, all of us look very different to one another. Um, <laughs> I always say that I'm the postman, and yes... My postman was from Kenya, hence my beautiful dark features. Um, but yeah, no, literally, we, you know, Ollie, Ollie and Matt were both involved in music. Ollie basically tried for a while to turn Brentwood, what was obviously a very quiet little town. He tried creating a little buzz scene where bands would come and play and there was nights. And we basically... We had a hostile takeover of uh, the Spread Eagle without buying it because Dave Hall, the uh, the best cabbie in Brentwood, uh, was owning it at the time. And we basically struck a deal where we could go there on a Thursday, mm. get all of the youngsters of Brentwood, whether they were 18 or not, absolutely shit-faced. Um, and we created these outrageous nights. One of them was... Um, a celebrity like like dead celebrity party yeah and uh it was a rather expensive night for uh, for tugboat because um <laughs> i was dressed up as uh elvis presley and i'd done me um i'd done me dj set ollie was dressed up as michael jackson he couldn't have done that now being 2020 it would have gone down really bad <laughs> um and luke lloyd was dressed up as freddie mercury and essentially, we walked out this pub after obviously Ollie making a killing because he used to take a share of the bar and ticket price and whatever. And this place was rammed out, and I was obviously boozed up because it used to be like a pound a bottle, fifty oh, yeah. p a shot. It was, I mean, it was madness. Like my brother used to go spread. He said like one night, I think it was Thursdays where you're probably right, and he uh, he, he actually sat there because drinking pints of wine because it was yeah, <laughs> eco value drinking. Yeah. It was fucking mental. <clears throat> it was such a fun night. Uh, it had the Tesco's logo, and it was yeah, eco value drinking, and it was just fucking carnage. And um, it was a good way of integrating schools and all that as well in different scenes. But we, um, yeah, I walked out of this pub and I decided it was the, there was a car there and that car's bonnet deserved a bonsai drop for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> a bonsai drop is like basically a big ass plant. And I ass planted uh, this bonnet and I was a heavy fucker then. And uh, still still am now, but I mean, literally... You're doing better for yourself. <laughs> oh, cheers, mate. I try, <laughs> in and out. But like, literally, as I'd done this sumo job, I hadn't realised the geezer was having a fag in his garden, whose car it was, overlooking the wall. And uh, I've gone about my business and started walking down the hill with Ollie and Luke. So as I say, it's Freddie Mercury, Michael Jackson and Elvis. The police, obviously, have gone past. Got the description... There's no doubt in their mind. It's like, yep, found them. <laughs> Fucking, <laughs> she couldn't just say, oh no, that weren't us, sort of thing. <laughs> Fucking, yeah, Michael Jackson got him. He's walking down Morley Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, literally, it was like, right, uh, boys, need you to walk back up to the pub. So I was like, yeah, all right, fuck it, whatever. So went back up there. And it's like, did you jump in this guy's car? I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, right, okay, I need you to take his details, rah, rah, rah. You're going to pay for it. If you don't pay for it, then he's allowed to press it and go to court. I was like, okay, cool. Didn't realise the amount of damage I'd done to this geezer's car. Meanwhile, though, 
Best thing whatever happened. So I'm getting bollocked as Elvis Presley. But Luke Lloyd has decided, and as I say, he pulled off this Freddie Mercury look so well. He's got his cock out, and he's now having a piss up this same man's wall. So not only not only have we jumped on his kite, Freddie Mercury's now pissing up his wall. So Elvis Presley and Freddie Mercury have now given his lifestyle an absolute beating. The policeman's turned around and looked at him, going, what the fuck are you doing? And he was like, Oh, I needed a go. He was like, "Well, there's an eighty quid fine." He was like, "Ah, oh, bollocks!" <laughs> and then we walked, uh, we walked back down Kings Road and then up Wally Hill, and we were just crying with laughter at the prospect of how, you know, it must have looked for the police. Oh yeah, I think we found them. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was it, those nights were great. I mean, we because we, we used to have like bands go there, like Cunt yeah. and the Gang and the Rifles, and yeah, I mean, it was right. Right, stupid, really. <laughs> so, I've always been surrounded by uh, my brother and his music scenes because they've both been in great bands, past and present. You Did know. you ever uh, try to be like a musician yourself, or uh... I was in a band once. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I had the most legendary gig ever known to BCH Halls. You know, we were uh, a very modest band. We were quite low key. We were called We Are Gods. So, as you can tell, we were modest. Yeah. Um, it was me, Matt Fletcher, and Stephen Bevan. We had a two-song set in the Battle of the Bands, and we done uh, our first song was called HD TV. Um, what well, doesn't stand for High Definition TV? It stood for Hippo Dance TV, <laughs> and it was a song about taking drugs and <laughs> and drinking beer and you know just it was essentially a very punk song. It was yeah, like, yeah. you know, to, to, to give you a little snippet, it was like, where'd you go? Where'd you hide? Too much hugs. It was proper like, it was like Johnny Rotten done terribly. Um, <laughs> and then we'd done a cover of Sweet Home Alabama, you know, what was complete the other way. But it was a, it was a beautiful thing and uh, we rigged the system so we got disqualified from the competition. Oh, and <laughs> Schofield's first band, Crash Uncoded beat us that night, mm. um, but it was because two fifths Orange felt very intimidated by us. That's that's the truth <laughs> of it, you know. Apart that. from Rory, <laughs> fuck the rest of two fifths Orange cunts. <laughs> Go on record and say that. <laughs> right, it's fine. It's up to you what you want to say. It's your it's your episode, bud. But yeah, no, I, it resulted in me like throwing chairs at teachers and all of that because I'd only just recently been kicked out of sixth form anyway. So I thought, oh, what the hell? You well, know. you got to lose. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's the only time I've ever been in. Yeah. I was in another band prior to that and we were called I Miss Casimo, but we never had a gig. Yeah. You know. Well, you've been in music videos like the Schofield's one you've been in. Obviously, we've both been in Death of Guitar Pop. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah what? Videos and... Uh, uh, I've been in Grungers now. Yeah. I've been in. Um, who else have I been in? Or is it just three bands? I've I've starred in about ten different music videos now, um, as different, various different act uh, things. But I've always enjoyed acting anyway. Like yeah. acting, really, had I had a more stable background, would have been something I would have loved to have got into. Because a lot of actors are very like insecure, and they don't know how to take rejection well I just have that kind of fuck it attitude where it wouldn't have bothered me if they said yes or no mm. we'd just dusted off and gone again but I mean like I, I, I like I what I love is I know still a couple of people who still um, are doing their acting like um, one for example that Elliot who was in your school Elliot Warren's now starring in a new Batman you know so if people who chase their actual dream I think fair fucking play to them because it's a hard slog a massive hard slog, but mm. you just got to be ready. You'd be told no a lot, didn't you? So, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, someone might you know pick up on this podcast and might buy the story of your life, or you know, like, oh, yeah. I mean, know. well, I'll tell you what, if they if they brought the story of my life, they'd actually have a very good film on their hands because it's been quite entertaining for a nobody. Because you have a notorious, um, like undefeated streak of somehow losing your shoes at festivals. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I just went through a very <laughs> stupid stage of I, like so I lost my shoe one year at the V, um, and it was like a po- 
apocalypto mud, like proper Glastonbury mud, you know. Yeah, yeah. When they chat about drow Glastonbury load. mat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, drow load. It, this was like, it was muddy this year. Yeah. And I lost my, sh- uh, I, I stood down, went and took another three steps and my shoe was gone and I just thought, oh, fuck it, I can't, can't be asked to go back <laughs> for it. So then the next year, once again, it wasn't even muddy this time, but... You know, by this point, um, certain things had kicked in and whatever. Uh, I was probably a good, I don't know, 14 cans deep or whatever, <laughs> enjoying life. Uh, I'd been quite successful in chasing this bird I was chasing that weekend. And Prodigy uh, was playing and uh, it was like, are you my voodoo people? And me pissed up, <laughs> grabbed my shoes. I was like, yeah, I'm your voodoo people, but my shoes aren't. What? <laughs> and just threw them. And then I was like, bollocks, I've still got another two days here. Why have I done that? That's an expensive pair of trainers I've just loved. <laughs> but you can I, imagine just poor Keith being like, who the fuck's shoes are these? <laughs> oh, I, you know, where you think, why have you done that, you prick? Instant regret. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I went through a stage of just loving shoes. Um, or just essentially trying to get as naked as I can. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I could live my not life and walk around naked 24-7... I'd love to, not because it'd be a nice sight for everyone else, um, but I, you know, I'd, the more freer, the better. <laughs> I'm gonna say every time, like you know, I've been there in the Essex Arms where you know, where you, you just hated your gig, so you just got absolutely starkers to like girls allowed biology, and you just go mental. That was planned. Yeah. This, you, this I, I'll, I'll go on record and say a lot of people thought. So my first stand up uh, went very well. The second one didn't go uh, well at all I hadn't rehearsed it I spent basically the year just fucking getting on it and not re- not rehearsing and just thinking yeah this is going to be a clean up on money um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'd done this gig blindly but I, I did have planned the fact that was the whole thing was about how yeah. you've got to live your life a certain way and yeah. I live my life a tug life Um <laughs> Hence why I'd gone out and got the tattoo done. How much, so, did, how much did it take you back that tattoo? Well, in fairness, uh, so Donny used to date this bird called Jess, who was like some fucking goth bird. She was a lovely girl, actually. She works in Metal Nettle in Chelmsford now. Oh, yeah, well, you know, nice, nice, nice girl, good dreads. Um, I f- want to say she had a cracking pair of tits, but it's been a while. <laughs> but, like, literally, she... she done this tattoo for me because she heard about it and thought it was like absolute banter and uh, she charged me like 180 and it was like a three hour maybe four hour session so it was a great tattoo yeah he's got and great stories about so, so, so the reason behind it was that obviously at the end because I've preached about how you should live your life I'm going to go and get I live my life a tug life so I'm stripping down to biology because biology is what we're all made of. It's how we got here in the first place. Appropriate song, Girls Aloud. And I also thought, you know, if I think about Girls Aloud as well, then hopefully the old boy might kick in as well so I won't get stage fright. Um, not that's ever been a problem. But, yeah, literally, so I stripped down naked, but because I was so plastered during the gig that people just thought, oh, this drunk idiot's just got naked to girls allowed but yeah it was planned <laughs> it's it just didn't go the way one day i will rewrite me wrongs and do a third one and it'll be one last tug yeah one last tug <coughs> tugboat the rise of the phoenix <laughs> the death of a legend such on girls allowed who was your favorite member oh of course i had i i used to get a calendar every year uh-huh. um for smutty time and <laughs> i had a big poster um, I, I was a big Nadine fan. Yeah. I, yeah, Nadine, just that Irish cheeky. And I, I was Kimberly because she was realistically, she was going to, if I had a chance of meeting her, most likely to bang me. I, I've always been a realism <laughs> guy on yeah. if I met someone, they might want a bit of the tug, yeah. you know. Uh, but that hasn't worked out well because I did once try that with Jess from Little Mix and that went really wrong I basically so we had we won this uh, and by the way she's a Brentwood legend and she's hot yeah she's a Brentwood she's gorgeous she, she, worked, she worked in the Flying Fish you know that oh, no, no she, she worked in the Flying Fish for years old Jesse Nielsen and we 
basically we were at um, Wireless Festival uh, due to the carvery and I had rigged it so well, the, the thing was rigged anyway so it was for the uh, the carvery that sold the most Coca-Cola well we had the most customers so we were always going to win that competition oh, yeah. but then at that point I then r- rigged the names that were in the hat so it was just me and my mates and no one else mm-hmm. um, so everyone got pulled out and it was free hospitality like literally so it weren't just your tickets it was we were in the Coca-Cola hospitality area there was four hospitality areas. There was Coke, there was Kiss FM, there yep. was L'Oreal and some other shit. Can't remember now. But we we walked in there and obviously the guys were like, oh yeah, I have one beer and whatever. And I went in there. I was like, yeah, I have one beer. I have 20 shots. And everyone turned around and was like, what? I was like, it's a free bar. <laughs> yeah. Let's get on it. So done this. This is back in like, and by the way, I'm a much more boring person now. I like staying in put the pyjamas on but uh, so we started doing that and we were getting involved in other stuff and uh, I noticed in the in the kind of Radio 1 bit or the Kiss bit that um, Little Mix had just entered and I was like here we go Sam I've always said if you've had a chance this is it so I jumped up, went to jump over the fence and uh, the geezer was like Where's your pass? And I was like, oh, I've got it. And he was like, no, that's a pass for the Coke beat. And then I was like, saw Jess and I'd done the classic, Jess, you all right? And she's turned around being polite and gone, yeah, you are right? I was like, see, she knows me. And he's like, all right, go on through. <laughs> and my, my, mate, uh, my mate, I think it was Omar at the time, uh, looked at me and was like, what the fuck? And there I am. <laughs> I'm now walking towards both Jess and uh, Leah. And... Uh, I'm chatting chatting to him and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, big, big fan. Um, really looking forward to watching you play. And she was like, we've just performed. I was like, any good? And she was like, yeah, it went down quite well. And I was like, all oh, right. <laughs> so I've already put my foot in it there. And uh, I was like, so uh, how's everything going for the uh, second album? She was like, oh, we released it last week. I was like, all oh, right, God. okay. <laughs> I was like, this is going fucking awful. And... Uh, I was like, well, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, and I, I, I had already built myself up for the kind of rejection. I was like, my mate has asked me if I ever met you, and I'm going to say it. I think you're really fit, but I've got one question. Can I put it in your little mixer? And <laughs> oh God. she just started laughing, and she was like, have a good day, and walked <laughs> off, and I just took myself and went and had more beer but yeah so Big respect to you man <laughs> yeah it wasn't it was it wasn't for me but you know Sharon for me Stenders if I if I ever leave my girlfriend if you're ready for it yeah. I could be your Phil Mitchell but one of my favourite things is my mate Gareth um, in the States uh, me and him for some reason he just went to Poundland when he was over and bought Best of Girls Allowed CD fantastic I know what um, a buy he, he loves the song Wake Me Up because he can remember the exact point in the song when they're on the motorbikes and they do the boob shimmy. Yes. And he goes like, wait here, boob shimmy. <laughs> his favourite his favourite's Nicole. Mine, mine all day is Kimberly. Yeah, Kim, Kimberly's a salt man. I mean, mm. don't get me wrong, uh, it's tragic, isn't it? Because uh, um, hasn't the uh, Sarah Ardin, she's now got breast cancer or something like I that. I don't know. She was the one down the A6 arms. Yeah. That makes sense. She was down the Essex Arms once. Once, yeah. Yeah, blimey. Yeah, um, yeah I think I think she's actually got quite a tragic story now. But, I mean, obviously, everyone used to like Cheryl Cole because she was that naughty Geordie. But I just, you know, I looked at her and thought if we had a night, I'd snap her. So, oh, <laughs> I, want a, I want a real woman. <laughs> let's, let's talk about your greatest celebrity encounter. Tell us the story about you, me and Rick Astley. Name drop. <laughs> uh, your me, boy. Me, me and my best mate, Rick. Uh, gonna be my best man at my wedding. Well, <laughs> did you ask him? No, nah, we. <laughs> but we're gonna get you reunited after. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, no, literally. So um, we'd gone to Liverpool for my aunt's fiftieth. Uh, um, well, it was her and my uncles. They're pretty K code. Yeah. Um, they kept saying they had a special guest going. Yeah. So. They've put us up in this lovely hotel. They, I mean, whenever we see them, we always have lovely meals out and whatever. 
I mean, we could go pizza out and have a nice time, but they always. <laughs> that'd be your, that'd be you, Ollie, and Matt treating them. Right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> and um, literally, we they pick us up from this. Uh, they said, "Our oh, car's going to come pick you up and bring you to the party at like four o'clock." There'd be a couple of our mates in the car. I said, "All oh, right, cool." So me and Ollie are contemplating. We're like, oh, "What are these?" fucking bunch of rich pricks going to be like because you know it was literally my dad and none, no one like that had come it was just me matt and ollie yeah and uh you know we're, we're pretty pretty rogue and uh you know matt's got his long hair ollie had only just gone bald at that point um <laughs> this is the greatest thing is that you know obviously like you three just do look completely different like oh, you said at the start oh like, yeah massively man but we all get on so well yeah and so we get in the cab and I sit down and I look up and I'm like, fucking hell. Like, there's this woman as well. And I'm like, he looks fucking well familiar. He looks proper, like, I know this guy. Yeah. But I'm not going to say who this guy is. <laughs> so then, so at first, they're like, oh, hello. And he's like, oh, I'm Rick. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> I'm Sam, otherwise known as Tugboat. Uh, this is Ollie. This is Matt. <laughs> well, you meant the and so, but at this point as well, I'm like, I'm I'm trying to contain my fangirl in, in, but I want to play it down cool because I don't want to know that he knows that I know who he is. I don't want that to be a big thing. That's not even though 80s is my era of music. Pop cheesy 80s, love it. Could have made a great game, eh? And uh, I, I was like, here we go. And uh, so I'm looking at Matt and Ollie, and they 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 even know who it is, or they're playing it down. So they haven't reacted. So I'm like, oh, like so, I start chatting football. One of my weird things is I know Rick Astley is a massive Man U fan. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, so uh, Rick, I went uh, Uji support. He was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm not gonna do the accent or anything like that. He was like, oh, I love Man U. I'm like fucking hell. This, this, this is Rick Astley. This is fucking Rick Astley. This, I like either this or there's a fucking body double rocking around. That's all identical. And now I'm like, so at that point I'm like, oh yeah, because you know, he was like, yeah, but you know, he said something about like they get paid too much money. I was like, yeah, I was like, football is a bit like the music industry. It's lost its soul. Something wanky like that. Just to see whether he'd go, oh yeah, I'm in the music industry. Oh, and by the way, I am Rick Astley. But that never happened. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ollie and Matt have looked at me like, that's a fucking weird comment to make. Like, football's like the music industry. What are you chatting about, Tugboat, you mad cunt? So I was just like, yeah. So we then get to this venue, so like saying where you'd expect Wayne Rooney to get married or somewhere like that. And uh, door shuts. I'm like, oh, well, nice meeting you. I'm sure we'll see you later in the party. And I turn to him. Oh, so we get out of the cab and I'm just like, lads, do you know who that was? And they were like, no. <laughs> I was like, it's fucking Rick Astley. And they're like, oh yeah. I was like, it's fucking Rick Astley. How have you guys not clocked that we've been in a cab now with this geezer for 20 minutes? It's Rick Astley. And they're like, all oh, right. He was like, well, Luke Lloyd... He was like, ah, oh, bloody hell. Like, Luke Lloyd's dad signed him originally. Back in the back in the, <coughs> his A-day, Luke Lloyd's old man signed him to Sony or whatever it was. Yeah. That's how uh, he made his fortunes before he went off to Sweden. Luke, uh, another interesting fella, Luke Lloyd. But um, literally, I was, I was, he was like, I would have chatted to him about that. I was like, well, you fucking missed your chance now. Don't you chat to us for the rest of the night. So next thing we know, we're at... A, fucking bar and, and my auntie's like oh so did you see our guess about yeah you gotta keep it quiet because obviously no one else knows it's like because by this point they've been ushered somewhere else yeah, yeah because they're getting ready for their performance and this big fucking uh curtain dropped and there was ricky i mean he was proper weird but <laughs> and amazing at the same time um but then at that point um <laughs> he started singing and yeah. obviously I'm singing every word. Next thing I know, I'm duetting with him. Uh, singing Never Gonna Give You Up. I, I swear to God, this is truth. Me and him are duetting on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, he sang like three songs. Um, and then after that, he was like, you know, come up. And he's basically, he spent the rest of the night just getting drunk with me, Matt and Ollie. Yeah. Absolute geezer. 
like couldn't say a bad word against him. We gave him his first ever Jaeger bomb. He'd never had a Jaeger bomb. <laughs> we got him mortaled. We got him absolutely bollocks. And um, <laughs> it got to the end of the night, and we were in the back of this cab, and me and him were creating a Euro song together. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> literally, you know, and, and there were so many more important people at this party than these three scumbags from Essex. But that's all he wanted to spend his time with. I suppose because we weren't. Blowing smoke right, up his ass. Um, so yeah, and in in the end, we got him told off by his missus because he wanted to come out and party with us down Matthew Street. <laughs> so yeah, geezer, top boy, Rick Astley. Rick, if you're listening and you ever want to be on with a duet with Sam and you know do that Euro night, Euro song, you know, uh, more than happy to have you on, bub. I, I mean, it definitely weren't magic friendly. It was something like they're uh, they're all overpaid CUNTs. <laughs> 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 but yeah, what what a diamond. But yeah, I mean, one of me many brush ups with celebrities along the way. Because um, obviously, I worked in a sex shop, so I met a few few there. Um, so well, I mean, the sex shop in itself is a is a great story. Um, <laughs> I was jobless. Um, yeah. I was sick of going and signing on. Um, and on a Monday, basically, because Matt was training in Soho out his hair, dressed as fish, um, I used to go up there on a Monday because all the juniors would have their trial haircuts or yeah. colourings or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I used to go up there, like my nan would give me 20 quid. That would give me the train. Mm-hmm. And I used to let them do whatever they wanted to do to my hair sort of thing. So, you know, one week I'd be pink and next week I'd be yellow and whatever. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I used to always then with the last £10 I'd go buy like a bacon sandwich and then buy like a couple of records or yeah. whatever and I looked down and there it was in all its seedy glory and I was like oh, I don't reckon many people ask for a job in one of those gaffes like you've got to be pretty brazen to ask for a job in a oh, sex yeah. shop most people were embarrassed to go into a sex mm. shop I mean, it wouldn't really bother me sexy sex so uh, I was like as long as it looks classy I'll go in there I'll yeah. ask for a job so uh, first two places no sorry sir we've got nothing third place I walked into um, well it was all black and pink everywhere um, I was like you got a job by any chance and she was like as long as you're not from Portsmouth and I was like what <laughs> fucking weird comment that is and uh, but this is how strange my brain is I was like oh she must be a Southampton fan so luckily I'd had a bet on South uh, Southampton that year and they were being led by Pardew and uh I was like, oh, I'll take it you're a Saints then. She was like, born and bred, love it. I go, yeah. go every week. And I'm like, all right, and start chatting about the season. Next thing I know, she was like, really like you. Come back tomorrow for an interview. It's like, sweet. <laughs> so I went, went there for an interview, um, sat down, and she was like, first line was, um, before we even start, just want to tell you you've got a job. I was like, all right. She's like, well, basically, I need um, someone like you, someone who's a bit of a geezer. I've got a lot of gay guys working here, a lot of yeah. lesbians, and I need the quota for a couple of straight guys. So I was like, fair enough. She was like, you are straight? I was like, yep. Yeah. Uh, well, I think <laughs> I am. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, I was like, right, okay, well, that, 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 this, this works. And then she yeah. was like, uh, second line, if anything ever goes uh, Pete Tong, just feel free to hit him. I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, if you ever feel intimidated, just smack a geezer around the mouth. Uh, all woman and uh, you know we got some handcuffs and then community support officer will come along and arrest them I, I think if we get to something in a second where you've absolutely probably smacked someone well I, I, I was like that I was like that can't be true yeah. so there I am I've told everyone about it uh, gone into O'Neill's that night saying oh yeah. oh yeah I've got the job right right everyone's all fucking laughing and whatever only you Sam could get a job in the sex shop and um so I went there my first shift like on the next Friday. Oh yeah. It was twelve o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And they used to have like this circular desk and uh it was divided into two. You had toys one side and DVDs and then you had um laundry and yeah, toys just, the other side, well, like women's toys. And, uh, <laughs> so but on the D V D side we always had had a screen on that showed movies and um I mean, by the end of my time there, porn just become like watching Hollyoaks. So I was just <laughs> directing it for realism and you know storylines. You know, it took yeah. it took a good year and a half for porn to suddenly feel sexy again. And uh, 
So, I remember I was standing there, and from, uh, I, I, I don't know, well, from me to this, that chair over there, so what's that like? About a metre? About a metre, yeah, mm-hmm. two, a metre or two. A metre and a half. And uh, I like that, you met me in the middle, it's very good. And uh, Geezer comes in, drops his pants, starts yeah. playing with his old boy, and this is two hours into my first shift, and before I could say, uh, what do I do here? Yeah. If Geezer I work with just come along and smacked him straight across the mouth. Knocked him out cold. He's now there with like a lob on. Knocked out on the floor and he's putting handcuffs on him. He's like, welcome to the shop. Uh, so, yeah, that was my introduction to it. Eventually, I will tell these stories on um, maybe like a special episode or something like that for you. But the highlight of my time there was ser- uh, selling... Darius, you know, colourblind. Oh, yep. I'm sure you do a great rendition, Matt. Um, <laughs> I always liked uh, the other one. Uh, I can't think of it now. Um, yeah, it'll come to me in a minute. Um, but I sold him a 12 and a half inch cock, and he was a lovely fella. Oh. We chatted about his uh, West End performance that was coming up in Gone with the Wind. Good bloke, Darius. Yeah, he always yeah. seemed it. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Hit me, baby, one more. I always remember, like, because obviously you had a good relationship with the shop, whatever, and then, like, you know, you got into doing your charity gigs. Yes. Yep. And then uh, I remember the fact that, you know, they, they'd always send you, like, probably a mat, about two crates full of stuff down. Yes, yes, and, yes. And uh, there's, there's a hilarious story about once where, like, uh, it was the raffle, and obviously I went up, got my prize, and I was sort of just, no, no, I was like, oh, just pick up this hard on green, why not? <laughs> right. And then after the show, I'm talking to Louise Curtin, and she goes, Oh, Dave's going to put some on. Went to the Essex Arms toilet, put some on. Couldn't get to sleep, you know. Uh, 6 a.m. still, and I'm just sitting there with a, an absolute rager on, just going like, thanks a lot, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't offer you a helping hand. Terrible, yeah, yeah. terrible friend, that. <laughs> no, God bless the curtains, mate. Great cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... Yeah, we, I mean, those charity events, uh, so reason I ended up doing them, one was to kind of clear up Tugboat's name after the second shambolic uh, stand-up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> after that stand-up. And um, so I just, just decided that I'd start throwing these variety nights where I'd say a couple of jokes and then people would come up and play their songs. And obviously... You heard about it if you listened to episode one about Bob Loaf, yeah. the legend of Bob Loaf. Um, what I come to... How, how did you find out about him and his meatloaf covers? We were in the Essex Arms one night. Oh, you were actually there? Yeah, you, yeah. and him and your mum were absolutely smashing a meatloaf song together. Was it Paradise by the Dashboard Light? I think so, yeah. yeah. And me and Matt were just like, this is fucking incredible. Like, that, that's Haslam's dad, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And... Uh, like and then we got chatting and I, I was just like yeah this fuck it like he's a really nice bloke just like just like his boy um, we got to make this happen this is this is great um, and then before you know it the second year he's headlining because he went down so well the first year because that's what it was all about it's all about a bit of fun and yeah. you know even though you had these big bands there and uh, even though they're on like obviously stripped back things. But they, they're used to playing these big shows. But mm. this is an opportunity to give Bob, who's a karaoke king, he's one night in front of a packed pub the chance to be a headliner. And that's that, that was the beauty of it, mm. while raising money for charity. I mean, oh, yeah. are we, in both the nights we raised, um, I think it's like four and a half grand we've raised so far for cancer research. Well, obviously... You know, there's another thing I was I was going to plan on doing one of them again this year, but obviously COVID's kind of pissed all over that chips. Um, but it will come back. Um, you know, I stopped doing them just because life got in the way um, with work and adjusting to it. But it's something I would definitely go back to because they were just fun nights. They were know? really fun nights, yeah. Getting and because like my rule would be, you know. All the bands would perform like normal, but they'd have to do like a Christmas cover as well mm. to give you that Christmas vibe. And if you came in wearing a Christmas jumper, you got a free present, like, you know, whether it was like a packet of condoms and a mince pie, but like, whatever. <laughs> like, it's just, I've always tried doing, whether it was my stand up show or a variety show, to give 
something a little bit different you know like hence why i do these raffles with all sorts of prizes and you know i mean it was, it was just good fun just very good fun yeah. um, a nice thing to do you always there was no better feeling than going there with a big jar of money over to the charity uh, shop and handing it to them and yeah, then yeah. getting that card thank you back from whoever or the letters back from the cancer research so hmm. yeah you know it must have you know like you know you must have absolutely just got you know like just probably felt really overwhelmed when you got that as well yeah yeah I think it's it's, it's one of those things where obviously you know you've got connections with uh, a lot of different scenes or hmm. people like a lot of different friendships because uh, naturally if you're part of three brothers you all know different people hmm. As long as half of those people that you know come, and then they decide to bring more people or tell more people, then you're in with half a chance of selling out. I mean, there wasn't ever a time where that that show wasn't sold out. Yeah, yeah. I think we were over capacity by health and safety. That, but that, that place was, was like a bloody sauna. Yeah, yeah. But that was never going to stop me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things. I I think that's uh, the real. I think the real sad point of 2020, obviously, apart from people dying, is the fact that music is not being allowed to get played. I mean, even now in a pub, you could have a geezer sitting there on a guitar, you know, it would do no harm, even if you had to sit down and listen to a band, you should still be letting bands play, Yeah. you know, um, because it's a fundamental part of our culture and our nightlife. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully um, we'll get past this weird thing we're probably going into lockdown in two weeks time well Brentwood apparently has got the highest rate hasn't it so yeah well, it looks yeah. like it probably will do all those people on tinder horny bastards <laughs> I'm one of them come on Jennings <laughs> put it away no I'm joking love you really Lauren <laughs> <laughs> oh wow but yeah no I mean uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that we've got a high rate I, I think it's, it's a funny thing it's like with people, um, if you're going out and you're not wearing a mask, yet you're getting up to at yeah. the fact that a pub's shutting at ten, then you've you're the cunt that is to blame. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty easy system, yeah. you know. Wash your hands, wear a mask. It ain't hard. It's like it, it's shit, but the the sooner we stick to it the quicker we'll be out of it and the sooner we'll be back to fucking normality. But yeah. that's that part of my PM rant over. Don't get me wrong, that blonde twat ain't got a clue what he's fucking doing. <laughs> Might as well add fucking Pogo the dog in charge. Boris, if you want to be on the show, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine that? Wibble wobble. <laughs> oh, yes, Matthew. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that is part one of my uh, story time with Sam Hookins, a.k.a. Tugboat. Oi, oi. Check back Sunday for part two.